everyone, welcome to the Lesbian Review Podcast. Anna Gramlich here with my very special guest, Rachel Spangler. I make no promises right now that I won't fangirl a few times while we're talking today, so I'm just giving you a heads up on that one. We're talking today about something that we are both very excited about, that we both like reading and writing about and everything, and that's sports, romance, in lesbic, and everything else. So yeah, it's like, you've written like three of these, Right? Am I correct on that? Uh, yeah. So there's there's three that involve <laughs> sports as like the the serious main theme or central setting. Right. Um, <laughs> and then the one uh, that actually my wife was asking about this morning. She was like, "Is trails merge a sports?" Uh, I was wondering that myself. I was like, like it no looks one, like it no is. one competes. So I would say no, but right. it's set in the world of skiing, so you do get, um, you do get sort of the mechanics of skiing in a couple scenes. But I don't think it's no one's competing, so I wouldn't call it a sports romance. Would you like consider like it could have easily been a plot that just happened in another sport? Like you could have easily like maybe switched them out because I've read stories where that's the case, where it's like they have a sports element, but it's not as intricate to the storyline as say like you know Edge of Glory or Heart of the Game. They just chose this specific sport for this specific setting. Um, so I chose Trails Merge setting um, based off of a really awesome ski trip we had in college. Um, mm-hmm. So it it was very much essential to the location of the story, but not necessarily to driving the character's plot. Right. Yeah. Right. The character arc. Did you? Yeah. Did you do a lot? Did you play a lot of sports growing up? Uh, no, I'm I'm like woefully unathletic. Um, I I feel like I've done a great fraud in our community, and I'll go ahead and apologize <laughs> for that now to anyone listening who thinks I'm athletic. There is like this Facebook poll that went around like five or six years ago about like the most athletic person in your circle, and like all the lesbian people picked me, and I was like, oh no, <laughs> I have told a lie without meaning to, um, because I'm really not particularly coordinated I I do ski um and sometimes I ski fast but rarely on purpose like it's usually I get out of control and I just hope that I can ride it out and there's a big space to burn out at the bottom yeah my one time skiing it was like I'm going too fast I'm going too fast I'm going too fast I need to fall down so I don't die you know yeah (laughs) so I totally get that but sports was a very was a big part of your growing up because you're a big Cardinals fan you may not have played it, but it was there. Oh, yeah. Like, I am I come from a sporting family. Mm-hmm. Um, my dad is a huge sports guy. Everyone in my family is a Cardinals fan, so that has just been a huge part of who we are. And honestly, when things get bad politically or even personally sometimes, like, the Cardinals are always something that we have to talk about. It's always been this real connector for me, and I – I really feel, even when I meet new people, that's something I sort of fall back on is usually books or sports. And if someone doesn't like to read and doesn't like sports, we may get into some trouble, like holding up those early awkward stages where you're trying to get to know someone. Um, because right, for right. me, that those are two real touch points in my life. Yeah, I went home for the holidays and I have a brother-in-law. We don't talk, really, but every time... But I stay at their house, you know, when I visit, 
we don't really talk about much, but we bring up the Arkansas Razorbacks. We do something like that. We have a common ground that we can, you know, connect on and everything, and it kind of leads to other things. But it's the same deal. It's like we don't talk about politics. We don't talk about what's going on in the world, but this is our connecting element. So, yeah, I totally get that. I know why I like reading about sports romance, but can you, as a professional doing this, um, what makes sports such a romantic topic to write about, in your opinion? Okay, well, I'll go first, because I am on the hot seat here, but I do want to hear your answer to that as well. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think it has its own inherent drama in it, which is really nice from an author standpoint. You know, you come into this place where emotions are already heightened, where the stakes are already high for two individuals, Mm -hmm. and then you have to make them connect in what is essentially an emotional pressure cooker, particularly when they don't necessarily share those goals. And that was something that that really came to the forefront in Edge of Glory because they're in two different sports that happen to be on the same mountain. And they're they're in two different places in their sport. Yes. One's coming towards the end and one's still kind of beginning. Yeah, really trying to prove herself. And that, so that, they're they're both really amped up on their own. And then suddenly you add this sort of extra tension between them. um, Mm -hmm. And you've really got a lot of swirling things to deal with. The other thing is that there's almost always a time crunch. Um, in heart of the game, you have a long baseball is a long, long season, but you know that there's going to be a natural arc to that. You know that you're going to have the excitement of a beginning. You're going to have moments where you slip and falter and start to think, oh my God, how am I ever going to get through this? And then the, the tension amps up again at the end. And the, it's the same thing with the natural season of tennis and even more, you know, times a hundred with an Olympic year, because these athletes only get every four years, which is just, I mean, can you imagine knowing that you're not going to get a shot at the top of your career again for four years? There's, there's Mm -hmm. so much built into that sort of time crunch that just, it helps with the pacing of a novel and it helps keep you from falling into a trap of ever sagging into one moment too deeply. Right. Yeah. And it's like, you talk about every four years and it's like, it's not just time is standing still that you're like, Oh, I'll do it in the next four years. Mm -hmm. You're aging. Athletes are aging at this time that the Olympics are happening every four years. And in your twenties, you don't think about it that much because you're like, Oh, I'm young. I got the body for it. I got, I can do all this. But when you start hitting late twenties, early thirties, mid-30s it's like how long can I really keep doing this yeah and that's something that I really got to deal with with Corey and that you can be in your mid-30s and be washed up like Mm -hmm. what does that do to a person's psyche you know at a time when when most regular humans are just kind of starting to hit their stride or maybe not yet hitting their stride and thinking I have time I have a whole career ahead of me to think that you might be done at 33 or 34 That's just the life of an athlete. I mean, you look at it at any professional sports, I think it's almost harder for ones that have, like, their regular seasons, like, year in and year out, because that takes a really big toll on the body while you're doing that adds to more dramatic effect as well, because it's like, it's like, you were asking me, it's like, I like the built-in drama 
of it as well. It's like, it's the adrenaline rush. Even as a fan, it's like, I may not participate, but you get the adrenaline rush. And in a way, it's kind of like being attracted to somebody. It's like your heart starts beating really fast. You're just hoping that they like you at the same time. And when it happens, you're like, great, I just hit a home run. And when it doesn't, you're just like, crap, you know, you feel kind of let down. You feel disappointed. You feel like it was something you did. There's just all that internal mental stuff that happens that is very similar to being attracted to somebody else in a way. And it's, it's, I love it even more when it's like, I write, I read sports where it's like, you have two people on opposite sides, like they play the same sport, but they're like technically enemies or, you know, opponents, but they're attracted to each other. It's like, what the hell do I do? That's what I liked about Tracy Richardson's delay of game. It was a similar thing. You had a Canadian hockey player, you had an American hockey player, but it was still also the same situation where one got out of the game because she had a kid, you know, and became a coach. And the other one was in her mid to late 30s fighting for that extra, you know, trying to get that gold medal and everything. But her body just wouldn't let her do it. Yeah. But it does. Mm-hmm. And and going on the point of bodies, you know, when you're writing a romance, it never hurts to have people, <laughs> you know, like if you're trying to ramp up, you know, a romance or sexual tension, it doesn't hurt to have people who are professional athletes you know, those, oh, yeah. those are traditionally bodies that a lot of people aspire to. Although mm-hmm. I will say in Edge of Glory, um, it was it was hard because they're not classically feminine body types, but they're really awesome body types. Mm-hmm. So learning to talk about these women who have these huge thighs and normally that's something that women get put down for in our society. I'm a leg person anyway. Yeah. So. Yeah. <laughs> so, so being able to look at the ways to discuss, to discuss women's thighs as being huge, but awesome. Um, mm-hmm. That was a really kind of fun body image issue that I got to work with there. Yeah. I love the scene in the ice bath when they're both just like <laughs> sitting there. It's like, okay, you know, what do we do? <laughs> yes. That was a fun scene to write. I guarantee you any athlete will tell you ice baths are not fun. No. In any way, shape, or form. No, they are not. (laughs) I I also love sports because you do get people who are like, well, I want to read a story about women who look like me, who are very similar to me and my body. And there are stories out there, but with athletes, you kind of do get that ability to be like, well, these people got to be really fit to be able to, so they can have like the desired body that most people strive to do when they go and work out and everything like that. And you can kind of get away with it in that regard, too. Because, yeah, as a downhill skier, you you got to be fit. you got to be slim. you got to have the muscles, the muscle tone. But you can't have – you got to have as least little resi- wind resistance as possible. Corey could probably get away with it a little bit more because she's got to be – she can wear baggy clothes, you know, and everything. But she's still got to be able to get down the hill as fast as possible. There's actually – and I got to call this research – Um, But there are actually several um, issues of the body issue in Sports Illustrated that has skiers and snowboarders naked. Um, And there's not many books you get to research where you get to see your models actually naked. Um, Right. And so I got to sort of look at those body types. And very few of them were what you would call thin. Um, they are muscle. They got a lot of muscle. Tone. They are yes. very, very muscular. Um, but even Lindsey Vaughn, who posed in a swimsuit that was literally painted on, um, she's got big hips. She's got big thighs, and it's inspiring to see women 
sort of own that and say that power is something they strive to instead of, you know, just being thin or skinny or something that appeals to a certain gaze that they chose this, this high level of functionality. And I, I yeah. really admire that. Yeah. I've seen a few of the body issues. And one thing I always noticed with the women is like their core is like really defined, really toned. It's like soccer players, skiers, anybody like that. They know that a lot of that comes from their core and so that's the thing they definitely develop most because that's also where your stamina is going to come from. Yeah. I mean, we've been talking a lot about the athletes and stuff. And granted, I'll give you most people when they think of sports, they think of athletes and stuff. But I like the direction you took with Heart of the Game where Duke wasn't an athlete. She was an actual reporter and she got to go to the games and do all that. That's still an important component of being a sports romance. It's like, yeah, you can write about athletes, but there's so much more than just athletes or coaches or anything like that. There's the reporters, there's people, there's even fans, you know, um, there's massage people, there's physical trainers, there's everything around it that you could seriously just take a lot of time and just delve into these other professions to show people, Oh, that's what that is. Yeah. And I got to, to dip into, um, parenting an athlete and <laughs> love all and what that you know because I am a parent and I'm actually a parent of a very athletic child uh, mm-hmm. I didn't get that from me I uh, must have skipped a generation but he's he is and and what that does to your heart to see your kid alone you know it, I, it's not as bad on a baseball field because there's all the other kids running around but in tennis I'm often behind a glass wall and Mm -hmm. I can't I can't so much as say you know good job it's going to be okay he can't hear me um and and what that does to to be so involved in an outcome that you have zero control over and I think that that is something else that sports gives us right this this sense of connected connection to something we can't control Right. I mean, I know people like to have their kids in team sports because it helps build social, you know, interactions and stuff like that. But yeah, when you have the the sports like tennis, golf, stuff that, you know, yeah, it's like they have coaches, they have people, but it's all it's only them out there once the time comes. They can't get any help from anybody, not their coaches, not their, you know, support system or anything like that. So I know that can be very isolating in a lot of ways. And I really liked how you, um, I'm sorry, I'm blanking on Destiny's mom's name Sadie. right now. Sadie. Thank you. Yeah. I should have known that. Um, but yeah, I mean, she's sitting there and she wants to just go out there and, you know, comfort her daughter and be her mom, but she can't do that right now. She has to stay quiet, you know, say something maybe later or anything like that. But it's just, it's very hard on a parent or I think anybody who has to just sit there and, just watch their child or their, you know, their protege or whatever have to go through this stuff by themselves. And I really thought you captured that very well in Love All. Thank you. Um, I, I really liked, I really liked the bond between Duke and the kids in Heart of the Game, too. I felt like she is such a good person. She has such a good heart. And that was very evident when she tried to take him to the, yes. to the dugout <laughs> at the beginning. It's like, oh, wait, I'm not supposed to do this, <laughs> you know. But... She had, she wanted it all. She wanted to have the career. She wanted to have the girl. She wanted to have the child. And I, I think she realized 
very, very quickly that it was a lot more work than she had anticipated. And that caused a lot of issues between her and Molly at points and everything. And I know when people read it, they said they didn't like Molly. I was like, no, but I understand. You know, I was raised by a single mom. Yes. So she's wanting to protect her kids is what she's wanting to do from heartache. Any good parent is going to want to do that. Even Sadie wants to do that. She wants to make sure that Destiny has the best, you know, possible and doesn't want her to win everything. So she doesn't have to experience that. But unfortunately, that's just not the case. Yeah. And I, I think like, you know, we're talking about sports, but like this, the single mom is like the paragon of, of great things for me. Cause you have to be that person all the time. Like there mm-hmm. are days, uh, you know, as someone who co-parents that I can say, look, I just don't want to be the one who yells at him about his shoes today, but somebody's got to do it. So it's your turn, you know, but, but Molly and Sadie, they didn't have those options. They didn't have the option of getting swept up in a game because there wasn't a game for them, you know, and that's sort of the flip side to sports is that there, there is a dark side to it. There is, there are times where it can be all encompassing and as a mother, you don't have that luxury. You have to be the mom all the time. You have to be the mom when your kid wins. You have to be the mom when your kid loses. You have to be the mom who says, I know you really, really love baseball, but you have to go to school tomorrow. Um, and I think that that's, I really think very highly of single moms. And I try to write them with a great deal of care. Um, and part of that means being realistic about them. I think you also take a great deal of care when you write about the athletes as well, because like you said, there's a dark side to sports, and usually that can involve, you know, drug use, abuse, something in their own life, but you've never gone there, and I appreciate that in a lot of ways. You have shown that athletes can be a little narcissistic, which, again, is understandable. This is all they know. You know, they have to take care of themselves. They have to take care of their body, They because ha- they know any kind of injury that happens, you know, they could be done. And then it's like, well, what am I going to do now? You know, I put my entire life into this. So, but I appreciate you taking those. I I don't ever want to write perfect characters. I think perfect characters are boring. Um, I want to write characters that everyone can relate to some aspect of them. Uh Um, And I always, always, the key that I ask my beta readers is do you understand why she did this, even if you don't like it? I don't need them to like everything every character does. And I I occasionally will hear things from, from people saying, well, I didn't like this character in this moment. And my response is, good. You weren't supposed, you're not supposed, you're not supposed to. to. <laughs> like, if I wrote these characters that were perfect all the time, A, why are they still single? And B, you know, what... What's interesting about that? The great things about humans is that we're all conflicted. We're a bunch of things. We are not good or bad. We are all of these things mixed together. We have tempers. We have egos. We can all be narcissistic at times, but we also have dreams and better angels and things that scare us and make us feel insecure and that's the fun of writing for me is finding the point where all those things mix. Yeah. I know a lot of people, me, myself included, I had trouble liking destiny um, a lot through love all, but I know that was by design and everything. And in the end she does the right thing. And it, honestly, when you honestly hear her reasoning, 
for a lot of it too. It's just like, okay, coming from this perspective, I understand why she did the thing she did and why she had the attitude she did. But at the same time, it's like, it doesn't mean I have to agree with it. Right. You know, it just means I understand it. You're listening to The Lesbian Talk Show. TheLesbianTalkShow.com, your hub of podcast information. Well, and That's maybe people are maybe people are better parents than me. That's quite possible. <laughs> I but doubt like that. people <laughs> people whose kids who have never done anything that embarrassed you or horrified you in public. I mean, good for you. You are winning at this parenting thing. But like I was a real asshole when I was 17. Like I had I shot off my mouth. I thought that I knew everything. I thought that I should control everything. I thought Everyone should really be listening to me a lot more than they were. You know, I think that's the nature of being 16, 17 years old. And I don't think that I would have liked having those moments broadcast on national TV. Especially, yeah, it had to be hard for her being 17 years old, being technically a professional athlete at that point when everybody's like, you're the newest hot thing. People want to know. But she's like, I don't want to tell anybody anything. And I think she absolutely reacted to that poorly. That was the whole point. If she was this perfect kid, once again, the story doesn't move, right? Mm -hmm. If she just immediately says, why, yes, Jay, I would love to play doubles with you and I'll do whatever my mom says. Like, there's no book there. That's not, that doesn't add conflict to the plot. It doesn't make her have any sort of developmental arc. Um, so yeah, people who are like, well, I didn't really like it when Destiny did that. I think, well, good. I would think there were, I would think less of you if you did enjoy Destiny's temper tantrums. Yeah. It's like, really? Come on. You know, but, um, let's get on a little bit more happy stuff. Okay. (laughs) What do you love best about writing sports romance? I know for me, it'd be like researching a little bit because it'd be like, oh, I can go to this game or I can go to that game or something like that. I do enjoy the research quite a bit. Melissa Braden will be so annoyed to hear that. She doesn't like it when I say that I like research because she doesn't enjoy it. But um, I have found that people are really eager to talk about what they know. Um, So when I have done this research on all of the three books that we're talking about, people have said, yeah, that sounds fun. I would like to help. So I was able in Heart of the Game to work with Jennifer Langkosh who is a sports writer that covers the St. Louis Cardinals. She nice. has, she has Duke's job to a T Duke's job is her job. Um, and so she was really wonderful about, I would shoot an email just and say, Oh yeah. What time do you get to the ballpark and what time do you leave? You know, and she would shoot back and then, and it was, it was during most of it was during the season. So she was busy, but she always took the time when I would shoot her a quick email and say, um, could you be on the field during batting practice? And she was like, uh, I, not usually, but actually now that you mention it, yes, no one would stop me. I have a press pass that would allow me to be down there during that time. On uh, Edge of Glory, uh, I had both a snowboarder and a ski reporter who uh, were very eager to sort of take on the same role. Uh, the snowboarder is now in college, but she had an Olympic... Uh, an Olympic run and the ski reporter has actually sadly passed away since then but we had some of the most wonderful conversations Um, he's actually from the town that I'm living in now and he just talked about 
you know, all the places he could visit, all of the things that he got to see, the different places he was at, and just little things that add authenticity. A lot of them came from Hank, and so I've just said his name there. Hank is who Hank in Love All is named after. Oh, okay. Because I wanted to honor him. Um, with tennis, I didn't get to do as much with the players. I did have some people who were collegiate players, and I was able to talk to a coach who has coached people to Grand Slams. Mm-hmm. Um, and then... Did you watch a lot of tennis? Well, we watch, yeah, we watch a lot of tennis. Um, and actually, long before we started, we uh, I started working on this book, my family had visited Wimbledon. Um, and toured that, and we'd been at the U.S. Open, and we toured that. Um, we I'm saw, jealous right now. I'm really jealous yeah. right now. So we saw the U.S. Open. Wimbledon, they weren't playing, but that was kind of nice because we got to go in the press booth. We got to go in the locker rooms. So when I describe these locker rooms that they're in, you know, at one point, you know, she's, she shuts the wood-paneled locker, and I'm like, that's because they have wood-paneled lockers. I saw them. And so I, I actually know a lot more about the sports than could ever end up in the books. Like, there are so many things about, like, practice courts and warm-up rooms and gym routines and things that they just didn't make it into the book. Like, there's a whole process of preparing for a tennis match that just had to be cut because it, I didn't want it to become a how-to novel. Um, right. But, but, yeah, I know more about these sports than most people have a right to. <laughs> do you try to keep it as, as authentic in your descriptions as possible, or do you take a little bit of artistic licensing in case, you know, you're like, well, I need this to happen, but I know it technically doesn't? Um, the, that happens very rarely. There are some times where I have to mess with something um, just simply for the sake of the story. Like I said, the like the warm-up times in tennis, there were times where I had her march straight into a locker room. Um, mm-hmm. There are times where you go straight from the match into the press room and sometimes you get a shower and sometimes you end up sitting around and waiting for quite a while if there's a, a backlog of, of players that need to talk. Um, so I did often condense that. We don't need to see her sitting around twiddling her thumbs. You know, you don't need to see her go on to the... The practice court, you don't need to see her go do her resistance bands and things like that. So a lot of times it probably seems condensed. Um, mm-hmm. But it's uh, you have to do that with any story, right? Like I don't need to see right. my characters brush their teeth in the morning, you know? So the, I, don't, I don't need to see her filling out paperwork at her job. You, you have to skip to where yeah. the action of to, the story And you happens. can honestly, you know, choose, it's like, like you said, it's like you have some of the monotonous stuff, but some of the stuff that seemed very, like in Edge of Glory, you had them do the training that you normally wouldn't show, but because of the injury that she sustained um, and everything, it made sense to have her be in a recovery training type program and everything and have them meet up there. Um, yeah, with Love All, you didn't really need that. Yeah, because I was just like, I probably would have been bored out of my mind if I had to sit there and, and read about her just twiddling her thumbs for like forever and a day. Yeah. So I, I think so, a lot of people who really know tennis, people who have been on the circuit, will say, well, we never saw her working in the training room. And I would say that's that's true. Tennis players do spend a lot of time in the training room, but it just none of the action happened there, so we didn't have to see it. No, that makes sense and everything. And, of course, you know, even though Duke was, you know, the reporter, we didn't have to see her go to the 
the locker room or whatever after the game every time. Right. And everything. Right. So. I don't I don't really want to fall into the trap of writing a bed to bed kind of story. I let's I want to keep right. especially in baseball you have 162 games. Like that's too, that's too much. You know, there were actually there were whole months in that book that we just kind of had to say and and yeah. July was a slog because that's what it is and you know yeah. that happens. Yeah, that's usually, it's like you get the start of the season, which is always exciting, and then it's like they either do well or do great. July is about the all-star break, basically, and then teams either really pick it up or they start slumping off again, you know, and everything. So, And then you get to the end of the season. So, yeah, you hit, you hit the high points. Cause, and good thing you didn't – also with baseball and softball is what I'm dealing with right now. Um, a lot of players on the field. You yes. Know, you had to deal with. Yes, so. and that – uh, yeah, you. I kind of picked one player in Heart of the Game to uh-huh. make him sort of be the representative of the rookie, you know, and, and he sort of was able to embody that. But, yeah, I, I mean, in any sport, you're going to run into that. The same with tennis. There, There's like 120 people in those Grand Slam brackets. You can't possibly go through all of them. So you just try and create one or two, con, you know, mm-hmm. players who, who work as a combination of things that you need them to be. Right. What are some of the difficulties you've found when you're writing about a specific sport? Um, I noticed you, you tagged on Facebook the other day, you actually asked a curler how to get in her pants or something like that. Yeah, I did. I reached, um, I, yeah, I, I've been working with an Olympic curler on this, which just goes to the fact that like, you should just start emailing people. I emailed about four or five Olympic curlers and one of them said, that sounds fun. Sure. Let's do it. Um, yeah. And I rarely have to go very far down to find someone that, who's willing She's on maternity leave right now, so she does have a little bit more extra time. Mm-hmm. Um, but I did. I, I had to, and I didn't, <laughs> I tried to write it as delicately, delicately as possible. And that I said, um, hi, I've been looking at some pictures and it's just not clear. Are the pants you wear to curl in, are they, are they more like yoga pants or are they more like snowboarding pants? Like, is it like, you know, elastic waist, button up? Uh, and she wrote back and was like, oh, no, they're very much like yoga pants, no buttons or anything. And I was like, okay, good. I won't <laughs> tell you that I'm currently writing the sex scene here. Um, but you have that moment where she's come from a match. She is wearing the clothes she would have competed in. Correct. And they're, they're getting handsy. And I was like, she popped open the button on her pants. And I was like, oh. Is that she's, accurate? She's wearing <laughs> curling pants. I have a button on my curling pants, but that's because I'm cold all the time. I don't think they are. And so I'm glad I didn't just say that because it would have been wrong. Yeah, I'm sure it's like to get the idea as like even with Edge of Glory, it's like use like no skin or skin underneath or something yeah, like skin, that. Yeah, skin to win. Skin to win, yes, exactly. I mean, it's like she had to wear something very tight. Snowboarders wear stuff that's pretty baggy and everything. And, of course, Duke was professional, but I don't think she ever really, like, totally dressed up up. like. No, she's in, a, she's in polos and khakis a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So, yeah, I mean, it's like it just goes to show it's like, okay, yeah, we know about the sport. We know kind of what they wear, but it's like, is it, like, really intricate or is it, like, pretty much zip it up, put it on, 
you know, stuff like that. And there, yeah, it's one of yeah. Google's very helpful for a lot of that. Um, but sadly, Google had not zoomed in on the fasteners of any curlers' pants for me. I don't know why, but there are some things that you you can tell by looking, and there's some things that you just can't. And I, I also try really hard not to ask them questions that I could easily find out on my own. I never want, I know they're very busy and they're doing this as a, a kindness to me. So I mm-hmm. never ask them a question that I think I could get reliably from Google or reading right. or watching. I, I'm assuming story. that you like try and look it up yourself. And if for some reason you can't find it, then you're like, okay, I need to go ask them. Yes. So yeah. no, that makes sense. Yeah. Cause everybody's like busy in the world and everything doing their stuff. Um, what are some of the other issues that you've, have you had any other issues like when you're writing stuff about specific sports that have come up? I think the hardest part is trying to find the balance of giving people enough information that they can follow what's going on on the court or on the field without getting people too wrapped up and in the play-by-play sort of mentality. And there are times when uh, that's really easy to do, and there are times when it's really hard to do. There was a scene that I wanted to read in Provincetown this year that was just too long, And Melissa Braden said, well, just cut that middle paragraph out. And I was like, the score changes twice in that paragraph. Like, if she calls out, you know, love all, and then all of a sudden it's 30-15, like, you will know that something has been missed there. Anyone who follows tennis even a little bit is like, wait a second, she never hit the ball. How how do we score three points? Um, So you do need to give them enough to follow. And even someone who maybe might not know the sport, enough to understand what's going on, but at the same time, not get bogged down. And that threshold is different for everybody. It's it's right. hard. There, I got back-to-back reviews for Heart of the Game where one person said, it was just, I could have done without so many in-depth baseball scenes. And then someone said, well, for a book about baseball, we don't actually see very much baseball. And I was like, (laughs) oh, you know, you just, it's just going to depend on a reader's understanding of how much baseball is appropriate. Right. And then tennis, especially, I've read a couple of tennis novels and one of them, it was just like, she put so much intricacy into the match of like where the ball was being hit, what's happening, who has it, when, where, and why. I got lost. Yeah. That, and it was like, I still enjoyed the story, but I was just like, it got to a point where I was almost skimming the tennis matches because they were just way too much. And you don't, I don't, I never want to write something that someone's going to skim over. That is like the nightmare for a writer is to see someone just start to skim, 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 flip the page, skim, skim, skim. Um, And honestly, that's the hardest part about the curling book I'm working on right now that we just titled last week. So it's going to be fire and ice. Um, and it's hard because most people don't know curling. So I, I need to give people more cues than I would like to give at times. So I'm working on ways to do that. Um, hopefully that you can set up at the front of the book and then people are able to follow that better throughout the rest of the book. But it is, I think more people, yeah, I think more people know more about curling now, especially with the Olympics that happened this past year, because Lord knows I stayed up till midnight wanting to watch it. But I think what they're probably going to have more issues with is the lingo. Yes. Because it's like there's Very certain much. terminology that I'm just like, what 
what are they talking about? Uh, oh, they th okay, I think. And so I, I am I'm using another sports reporter, which mm -hmm. gives me a certain amount of uh, leeway to explain things to her because she's never followed curling before. So my curler has the opportunity to say, see that piece of rubber? You put your foot on it. It's called a hack, you know, mm -hmm. and, and sort of establish that. Because she doesn't know, because she is not part of that community. And I don't think I could have written this book with two curlers, because they would have no reason to explain any of that to anyone. So this reporter is kind of like the, the novice who, who's watched it, but doesn't necessarily understand it, and they, they're kind of learning along with her. And more than that, hates it. I mean, she just disdains. <laughs> like, she's, she's covered the Super Bowl, she's covered the World Series, She's made some bad mistakes that we won't go into, and so she has been sort of dropped down the ladder to covering curling, and she is resentful of that. She she went from watching real athletes to watching professional sweeping, and she makes no mistake to anyone that <laughs> that she thinks this is, sport is beneath her, and sort of that's going uh -huh. to be part of her arc is learning to see that a different type of sport can be just as challenging, if not more so. Well, there's a lot of discussion now, nowadays. I was watching HBO, and it's like, what actually constitutes sport? You yes. know, because there are so many definitions now. It's like, yeah, you have curling, you have this, but they had pieces on, like, chess and, you know, crossword puzzles and, you know, robotics competitions. So, yeah, I mean, sports can range from, like, the very athletic, the very physical, like, you have written about and like many others have as well but it could also be the more mental challenge as well like there is physical involved in curling but i guarantee you it's it's like it's more mental in a yeah. lot of ways because you have to think okay am i pushing it too hard how you know how much is too much you know in that regard that's those are things you have to mentally consider before you start doing anything yeah and going back to the body i was able to ask the curler i've been working with you know you say you spend time in the gym. As a curler, what does that look like? Mm -hmm. And she was like, it is so many push-ups. It is pull-ups. It is a lot of resistance training, a lot of things that work your arms and your shoulders and your stabilizer muscles. There's very mm -hmm. little work on your legs. But, right. but so I need to make sure that when they do get naked, we notice that her shoulders look like someone whose shoulders you have never seen the likes of before because that's um, where she is having athletic training. Mm -hmm. Well, that's going to work for me too because I like shoulders. See, back I'm just writing for you, Anna. You're just, yeah, I'm I can working tell. for I can you. totally tell. Yes. <laughs> so. You've written about basically a lot of their, I mean, and I understand, you know, you said you grew up with baseball, you were a baseball family, so you understand that and everything, but these other sports, snow, snowboarding, skiing, you know, tennis and everything, were they things that you had knew and loved about ahead of time, or were you more inspired by them in some way when it was like, you know, you're doing something? Yeah, like, most of them were things that I had an interest in, at least beforehand, like I said, baseball was my number one sport. It's probably always going to be my number one sport. Um, so it made sense to start there. And then the skiing, we we do like to ski as a family. I've been skiing since college. Actually, I skied, I did downhill skiing for the first time the day before my wedding, which several people have pointed out was probably not the best time to risk bodily harm. Um, no, not really. No. But we, we had our civil union in Vermont. 
And so it seemed like a thing to do in winter in Vermont. Um, so then we took some ski trips and that's where Trails Merge came out of. And Edge of Glory sort of was an evolution of that in that I took a couple snowboard lessons. Newsflash, I'm really bad at it. Um, <laughs> I'm not much better, trust it's, me. <laughs> I, I got a concussion. It's just, it's not good. I'm not good at it. But I enjoy watching it. Um, and so I like, I think the snowboarders look cooler. Like I'm always up on the lift watching them do their thing and they look awesome. Yeah. Um, tennis very much because I am a tennis mom. Like I, I, I wrote the tennis mom because that's where I'm at right now. My son is very, very good at tennis and that is so fun to watch and yet so awful at times to watch. And thinking when coaches begin talking about ways that we need to be careful and ways that that can be taken advantage of, um, that gets the mama bear up in me. I, Mm -hmm. a couple times, have seen grown-ups, I don't know, speaking to him at tournaments. And, man, the hair on the back of my neck stands up and my shoulders tense. And it's like, he is still a child. He is still my child. You know, you're inviting him to play in tournaments. We get phone calls, people asking him to come play in their tournaments, and he is 11, and it's wonderful that he's building this community, um, but it's also but. at times, it, it, it's scary. And so thinking about projecting down what it means for him in the coming years, should he choose to pursue it, and there's no guarantee that he will. Um, that was really more of what sparked... Uh, love all for me it was more the mom side of things yeah nowadays it's like people like coaches high schools colleges they're getting to kids very young yeah I think it's just way too much for kids right now because they they're not able to process that mentally like what this is going to how this is going to impact them in the long term and everything they just see oh I get to play tennis so I get to have fun you know and and that's that's definitely something that I hope think came through in destiny is like what happens when your brain's not even fully formed and you're being asked Mm -hmm. to make these decisions that could affect you and other people for the rest of your life and you're asking you're being asked to do it with a microphone in your face Right, yeah. Does Jackson play other sports? I know he does he curling does. as well. He, with you. Yeah, so yeah, to, to sort of end that is that we do curl. Um, we're also really, really bad at curling. We are in second to last place <laughs> in our league. We've only won one match all season. Well, you just started. <laughs> no, I've been playing for a couple of years, but it's it's fun, and Jackson is playing with us now. He played. We played a match yesterday, and he played – um, the whole match with us, and he was not a liability. Like, I mean, we're not a good team, but he was no worse than the adults. Well, so there you go. <laughs> it was kind of it was kind of fun that he made a couple really good shots. Um, in fact, I think if we're being honest, he played a little better than I did yesterday. Um, so he he's into that. He's skiing. He's joined ski club, which is really cool. We didn't have that option when I was in high school in the Midwest. So it's fun to watch him. He takes off with his friends on their skis. And baseball is his, it's his first love. I think it's a, it's a real dead heat between baseball and tennis now. But I mean, we have pictures of him, videos of him hitting 
balls when he was two. He didn't want to hit off a tee. He wanted to be pitched to. Um, wow. So he's, yeah, he's totally into sports. That's good that you keep him well-rounded like that with the multiple sports. Because, honestly, you, he can learn things from other sports and apply them to, like, his main thing. Um, that's why I never get when parents or even coaches are like, one sport only, you know, and everything. A, it's bad for their bodies. Yes. Uh, every athlete we've talked to says just the opposite. I mean, and we, we had a friend who played minor league hockey. Um mm-hmm. And he, he was just adamant that the opposite was true, that you, kids should cross-train, kids should play for fun. Um, you should not be putting wear and tear on the same joints year-round. Mm-hmm. We have Jackson's babysitter had Tommy John surgery when he was 16. It's just shocking to me that these kids are dealing with those kinds of, you know, breakdown injuries as teenagers so, mm-hmm. but the other thing is tennis is a very solitary sport and baseball is a very team sport. So I think he's learning different life lessons about, you know, taking responsibility for things in different ways. Right. Um, and that's, we actually um, have a quote over the door in our living room that says sports doesn't build character, it reveals it. And I think that the type of sports he's playing right now are revealing different aspects of who he is and what he wants in life. And I, I think that that's, that's why I love sports. Yeah, I love them too, for that specific reason too. So you got a curling book coming out. Yes. Wait, wait can I expect that so I can uh, mark it on my calendar? We are calendar? hoping that will be the start of curling season next year. We're hoping to launch it at Women's Week. Well, I guess it's not next year anymore. It's this year. We're hoping for yeah. Women's Week 19 um, for that. And then um, then it'll we'll move away from sports for just a little bit. My next two, actually, I've, I've got one coming out next week. And then hopefully one over the summer that are both travel books. So I've kind yeah, of gone in. Yeah, I think in, Full English you got yeah, coming out. Full English and then yeah. Spanish Surrender are both travel books. So then I dip back into sports, and then I'll probably take a little break and hopefully have another sports book out for the next Olympics. I haven't decided which sport yet, but I'm hoping to have a Summer Olympics book. Yeah, I was about to say it would be Summer Olympics, and that's that's taking place in Japan. It so. is, and that looks really – I wish I could go. That's one I would really like to go to. If I won the lottery, I would totally go. Yeah. And then I would take you with me. I'll take a lot of people okay, with we'll me. Okay, we'll go. We'll go. Okay. Either of us wins the lottery. But yeah. <laughs> um, there's a possibility of dipping back into tennis mm-hmm. um, and seeing. I know that they're bringing back softball as They well. are bringing. Softball is really tempting. <laughs> I don't want to lean on all the lesbian stereotypes, but it is on, really. No. It on. is really <laughs> tempting. Um, but I think it's also tempting to maybe find one that people know less about or that maybe even I know less about. So I've looked at the list. I've pulled up the list of summer sports a couple times. Um, So that one will still be a surprise to me. I don't know yet. I know they're also doing, they're bringing back karate. Oh, that's exciting. I'm also really interested in fencing. It might be a good excuse for me to take some fencing lessons and write it off on my taxes. That's the other great thing. Yes, you can write everything off. Like, research, come on. I took several ski lessons and wrote it off on my taxes, and that was just fun days on the mountains, but I got to, got a tax right off there. There you go. That's awesome. 
Well, thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule and joining me today. Well, thanks for having me. This. Yeah, this is a great topic. I enjoy this very much, and I love reading about sports of all kinds and everything. So. Okay. So when, <laughs> when I do the curling book and the Olympic books, we'll, we'll do this again. We'll have a part two. Oh, yeah. We definitely got to have a part two. Maybe a part three and four, depending on what else is going on in the world. That sounds that awesome. This has been Anna. I've been joined by Rachel Spangler via Skype, who's lovely. You probably got snow right now. <laughs> Very little snow. Very little. Well, you got more snow than me, because I'm in L.A., and the most we've gotten is rain. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, but thank you for joining me today and talking about this amazing topic. It's been so much fun. And thank you, everyone, for joining me as well. Uh, look for this and any other on iTunes or wherever the Lesbian Review podcast is being broadcasted. Thanks, guys. Bye.